Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Global News reporting Canada's federal government says the first reported presumptive case of coronavirus in Toronto was not unexpected and that additional cases could occur in the near future. However, at a news conference this morning, Dr. Theresa Tam, you just heard Dr. Tam's voice, Canada's chief public health officer has said that despite the presumptive case, the risk to Canadians remains low. Now, for many, it's uh, going to be a memory of 2003-2004 and uh, the SARS virus. Is there a connection? Well, not a specific biological connection, I wouldn't think. But is there a connection between what happened with SARS and what might happen with the coronavirus? My guess is there's less known about the coronavirus than uh, health officials want to know. And uh, back with us on the program, would we appreciate him coming on, is Dr. Isaac Bogosh, internal medicine and infectious diseases doctor, Toronto General Hospital, associate professor of medicine uh, in the Department of Medicine at the University of Toronto. Dr. Bogosh, thank you very much uh, for the time. Good to have you back on. No, oh, thanks for having me back. So how do you, uh, how do you look at today vis-a-vis what we knew yesterday? How much more do we know today? Is it just that we now know for sure about the patient? Yeah, yeah, that's basically it. I mean... Uh, even a week ago, many of us uh, who are follow- who are following this closely were, you know, aware that there was a, a, a decent risk that we were going to get uh, an imported case in Canada, and we were sort of thinking it's it's just a matter of when, not if. And then, you know, yesterday was the day. Um, I think, you know, obviously, no one wants to have imported cases of this coronavirus, but on the other hand, it just kind of demonstrates how our system is working rather effectively. I mean, the person was educated and knew what to do. Uh, he was aware that he was in a, an at-risk area. He sought the appropriate care and the healthcare providers did the right things. We had communication to the general public within hours of this test being uh, diagnosed. So, you know, I think our, our system seems to be working. There will be questions asked about uh, his time on the plane and why maybe it wasn't diagnosed sooner and what may or may not have happened at the airport, but uh, those questions will be asked going forward. What do infectious diseases experts, what, what do you want to, to know? What has to be done now from the medical perspective? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many unanswered questions that we are just chomping at the bit to, uh, to really look into. And certainly, you know, we want to know more about this virus. Luckily, the virus was sequenced through the genetic sequence was uh, made public. So there's going to be an explosion of research into this virus in the coming days and weeks ahead. But, you know, it'd be very nice to know what the actual source of this virus is. So, you know, what animal or where does this virus live when it before it jumped into humans? And then some very clinically oriented uh, questions. So, of course, we've heard about the 50-some-odd deaths, which are, or which are tragic. We've heard about some uh, people who have severe infection. But it would be really helpful to know what the full spectrum of illness is. You know, are there people who have no symptoms or few symptoms walking around with this infection that just get better and never come to medical attention? Uh, the, and, and sort of what is the proportion of people that have severe or versus mild illness? And other, the other one is what's the efficiency of human to human transmission. Of course, it can be transmitted from human to human. We, we know that now. But how efficiently can this be transmitted from human to human? And these are the questions that will really help the medical and the public health teams get to the bottom of this uh, epidemic and, and, and really help get it under control. 
How long does it normally take to get the kind of information you just said you need? Uh, it, it, a lot of this just depends on quality data. And, uh, you know, if there's a surge in quality data reporting, well, we, we could have uh, many of the answers to these questions in, you know, a couple of weeks or so, and maybe even less, given the, the rapidity at which this, uh, at this, at the pace of, of some of the uh, transparency of which we're, we're hearing some of the, the scientific discoveries. Uh, you know, we've had a few high-profile publications already looking at the biology of this virus. So, you know, I don't think it'll take more than a few weeks before we have some of the core answers that, that, that are currently unknown. So as I understand it, and uh, I'm really coming at this from the layman's perspective, but as I understand it, viruses learn how to be more efficient. And so if it's learned to jump from human to human, is it likely it's going to learn how to do this more efficiently? I guess one of the other questions I, uh, that, that follows that one is, is it going to stay ahead of the medical research curve? Is there a chance that might happen? Yeah, I mean, those are, those are, those are, those are great questions because... In fact, you know, we know that viruses uh, mutate. And when people hear the word mutation, everyone's knee-jerk reaction is, that's bad. (laughs) You know, whenever you hear the word mutate, everyone thinks, okay, that cannot be good. But a lot of the mutations in viruses don't do anything. I mean, viruses are mutating all the time. And and many of the mutations do nothing. Sometimes the mutations might make them a little more, uh, make them uh, capable of causing more severe illness. Sometimes the mutations can make the viruses transmitted more easily from human to human. But most of the times, these mutations do nothing. Uh, Having said that, you know, there have been outbreaks, and certainly with SARS, it was thought that there may have been some changes in the virus throughout the epidemic that facilitated human-to-human transmission. Is that going on right now? You know, the real answer is nobody knows. Um, But uh, it's very helpful with the you know, uh, this team effort, we've got not just doctors and public health providers, but there's, you know, virologists and, you know, virus scientists who are studying this as well. And we're getting more and more genetic sequences of this virus as it pops up in different parts of the world. So these are answerable questions. And and not only that, these are answerable questions in short time frames. So, you know, we will have good answers to this in the coming days or even weeks. It wouldn't be uh, genetically related to the SARS virus, I wouldn't think. But what have we learned? Is what we learned in 2003, 2004 valuable to us in taking on this particular coronavirus? Like, absolutely. So a couple things. The virus, I mean, this is what's called a coronavirus. And this is, you know, it's a large family of viruses within the coronavirus family. So, you know, at the very mild end of the spectrum, we have coronaviruses that just cause coughs and colds and you know, this causes the common cold and of course at the other end of the spectrum we have SARS and the Middle Eastern Respiratory Virus MERS which caused you know much, much more severe illness this one's probably going to land somewhere in the middle of that spectrum um, so so this this indeed is a coronavirus now in terms of the lessons learned I mean there were some invaluable lessons learned from the SARS epidemic in, in especially in Toronto and a lot of this are these are systems, uh, systems of coordinating efforts, systems of communication between different levels of government and between different levels uh, of public health teams, you know, at the federal, at the provincial, at the local level, in addition to processes within the hospital, you know, how we more effectively identify cases, how we more effectively isolate people and prevent spread of this virus from person to person in hospital settings and in, the com- in community settings. 
And, you know, 2003 is essentially light years behind 2020 in terms of how these systems have have progressed and modernized and you know it, it really is a different world now than 2003 so we're, we're in a much better we're much better position to manage imported cases of this one more question for you uh, dr bogosh china's president xi has said his country has quote grave concern end quote that sounds like a pretty strong alarm bell to me is it possible to contain the virus in china or is that already too late well that's the million dollar question i mean we, I, I don't think anyone would be able to look you in the eye as of January 25th, 2020, and tell you yes or no. Certainly there are some skeptics, and there's many people who say that, you know what, there's just probably too much transmission outside of the areas where there are travel bans that, you know, this is, this is going to take off. And others believe that, you know, some of these massive, wide-scale uh, control efforts might might be successful. I don't think it's I, it's it's really too soon to to know. And you know it's unprecedented these these travel bans that affect you know about forty million people. We've never tried anything like this. We've never seen anything like this worldwide before. So it's just it's currently unclear if this will be uh, contained in China or if it's it just might slow things down and this will continue to spread. Dr. Borgosh, thank you so much. I really do appreciate you coming back on with this. Oh, anytime. Have a good one. Oh, you too, Dr. Isaac Bogosh. Uh, infectious diseases uh, specialist from Toronto. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.